Competition is one of those things that, whether you like it or not, just makes sense, right? If I make bicycles, and good thing I don't, and you start making a better kind of bicycle, my choices are pretty straightforward. Start making a better bicycle, start making a cheaper bicycle, or sooner or later, stop making bicycles. Okay, I've vastly oversimplified what I feel like is a very complex game of market share, dominant messaging, outright morals and ethics. But that's minimum and most basic. We've long held on this show and in our own lives that competition is a good thing, especially in the world of technology. So as we navigate a world of mass consolidation, roll-up strategies, and the outright stifling of startups in virtually any space, it was well past time for us to ask ourselves the question, what is the long-term cost of three meaningful cell phone carriers, of two dominant smartphone platforms, of one ring to rule them all? Yeah, I let that one get away from me, but you get the idea. In all seriousness though, what is the cost of no competition? Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Solid State Podcast. I'm your host, John Joyce. I'm Eric Sargent. And I'm Cody Toscano. We're here this week with one of our new format, um, Cost of Episodes, and we are going to talk the cost of competition, or I guess it's far more appropriately named the cost of no competition. Because, none, uh, yeah. Because yeah, what's none, left? Zip zero. <laughs> what, what's left of competition? What, what's left right. to pick off those bones? No. Um, it. If you've listened to any amount of this show over time, you've probably picked up on we're we're pretty big fans of a good competitive marketplace because I, the, and I will say that's true of every vertical. I truly don't know yeah. of a space. It may it maybe there is one. Again, don't email me. But I don't know if a space off the top of my head that is better served through genuine intentional monopoly. Um, yeah, we have a couple examples like here locally, like obviously in the state of Florida, um, we've got, you know, a state sponsored monopoly for power. Like there's certain utilities mm-hmm. and whatnot right. where obviously you, you have to just, you know, get the service to people, but you know, on the whole across the market, you know, competition breeds historically better products, um, brought to market faster at more competitive prices that iterate and evolve faster i mean that, that, that's yeah. just that, that's just the, yeah, way, the they, way of things because they drive each other to do better because they need mm-hmm. to steal whatever business they can from the other guy who isn't doing quite what they're doing or something like that so yeah them competing is important because if they didn't it feels like it would stagnate because who's who's driving them sure at that point and again that that is really true of virtually every vertical but i would say it is a the irony it is in the dna of the tech space, but mm-hmm. the tech space is also, I think, also the poster child of the modern expression of over consolidation and competition falling apart. You know, mm-hmm. rampant monopoly because because really the, the 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 quest for competition brought us. You know, I'm a Mac, I'm a PC. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it it brought us. You know, it it is Android, comma Samsung versus iPhone, you know, I mean, these, mm-hmm. these highly, yep. hotly competitive spaces, um, you know, a- Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, you know, these, these are where there's specific companies vying for superiority in a space. And, you know, I, we talked a couple weeks ago about how, you know, for all of its failings as a quote unquote good or great device, I love the existence of the Razer Blade 16 because it has to exist for future iterations of great gaming laptops yep. to exist. Well, the same thing. I don't believe we would have the 
I mean, let's call it without a fantastic Xbox Series X, PlayStation 5, you know, someday a new Switch. Um, you know, yeah, we wouldn't eventually. have these, I, I don't believe we would have these things in the form that they are today if, you know, if 20 years ago Microsoft had thrown in the towel and just said, PlayStation, you're too good. Just, it's, it's right. all you. And if we ten, can't and, do this and anymore. Same, yeah. Yeah, like what Sega did. If they did what, if they had done what Sega did, done what Sega did, or if Nintendo had said, you know what, you know what, trading cards, you know, we're going back to our roots, guys. Let's go back (laughs) to car. Like, and if if Sony had been the only one left in that space, would they still be selling a PlayStation? Of course, they'd be selling probably more of them because they'd be the only player in town, pun intended. But it wouldn't be as good of a product. It wouldn't be as compelling of a product. And right. I guess I should even walk back where they'd be selling as many of them because people don't need PlayStations to survive, contrary to the common belief on most dorm room floors. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, if they weren't competing, if they weren't constantly refining a better product, an industry could die. You know, obviously, yeah. you know, food industries and you know things like that, you know healthcare you know those kind of these are things that we do need to survive so with or without competition i hate to say it they'd still be there i firmly believe in the need of competition for them to keep getting better but they would still exist because they serve true basic human needs of right. survival they can't go away yeah without people dying yeah <laughs> yeah right there are huge swaths of the technology space that again we all openly believe they're part of our basic survival. Um, you know, the phone in my pocket is literally tingling as we speak. Um, going back to, you know, the cost of connectivity, for example, but these are still not things that people need to wake up and eat and breathe and sleep every day. So would they erode over time if they truly were run by one company, by one brand? I just think that's a, that's a, that's a thought that's very interesting to interrogate, but it's also a scary one in the landscape that i don't think any of us here would disagree is exactly what's happening in a lot of these spaces where at best we're whittling down to a few competitors in a landscape that used to be littered with them, um, you know, well on its way to becoming one or two again at best. And we really want to talk about today was what, what does that look like? You know, what, what is the cost of Samsung v Apple? You know, well, I mean, I can tell you the cost over the last few years have been companies like HTC and Nokia mm-hmm. and, you know, all these other brands. Yeah, they that all we've fall by the wayside Blackberry. as they can't keep up. Yeah. If they don't have yeah. the budget, if they're not selling enough phones and don't have the budget to iterate their devices enough to keep up with the competition, they just, it does, it does them in. They can't, they can't stay relevant. Sure. And then they sell and, even and, less. So. And don't give me, I understand the irony because also, if a company is not capable of iterating and evolving and surviving, I also believe they should die. Like if you are no longer, sure. re- if, if you can't make a good enough product, then mm-hmm. you shouldn't, then you shouldn't be around. I mean, that's a right. lot of these brands that have gone away have also gone away because of mismanagement, because they made bad bets, because they just couldn't make the good thing. But when those are a direct result, and it's not always, sometimes companies just fail. But when it's a direct result of my competitor is spending me into the ground and they know full well, they can't even keep this up forever, but they know they can keep it up longer than I can. That is where where things get scary. And that breeds another problem as well, because, you know, let's use the example of HTC. So HTC kind of falls off the radar, let's say, you know, they're done. They're not making phones anymore. Mm -hmm. That didn't necessarily 
make room on the playing field for some scrappy up and comer because to come they, and replace them. They, yep. they don't have the money to compete with Samsung and Apple because they're just, it's their first device and that kind of thing. And I mean, there have been new players that come into the space from, you know, billion dollar companies overseas right. and everything where, you know, like OnePlus and those kind of things are like kind of new players that are trying to break into the market worldwide. But, you know, and, and that's just one example, but it's like, that's the problem is, you know, and I know we'll be talking about them in a minute here, but Amazon as well. I mean, they started out as a bookstore, right? And mm-hmm. in a, and when in a landscape, there was, you could go to any corner and get a Borders or a Barnes and Noble and sometimes both across the street yep, from across each other. Across the street from each other. Yeah. And now Borders is gone and Barnes and Noble is one foot in the grave at this point and, and likely, you know, lifting that other one off the ground and yeah, getting in there, you know, starting to pull the dirt from the sides over the top of themselves. Like it's, it's almost over. And you know, when that's done, you've got, you've got small places that sell used books and things, but like that competition's gone. So who can compete with Amazon in that space? You're going to have mom and pop bookshops that don't have anywhere near the inventory, you know, and if you want to find the book you're looking for, you got one option at this point. If you don't have a Barnes and Noble in your town, you have one option. If you want a yep. brand new book that the local used bookstore is not going to get. So. And yeah, I mean, I how like do you compete with space, Amazon? <laughs> yeah, I feel like in the tech space more than ever, like you like like a startup happens and then almost the intention is to get purchased by like a bigger company. Right. So like these sure. companies are like ga- gathering these like, oh, that feature is really cool. Like, let's let's buy that and just take it for us. Not, you know, yeah. not essentially that it's but like you said, like, um you know, it's a cool feature. They want to compete in the space. So, you know, it's hard, like you said, it's hard for someone small to have like a good feature and then take it all the way without like someone right, without somebody like, just coming in and buying them and then mm-hmm. integrating that feature into the exert. I mean, and that happens all the time. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting. No, and, and the Amazon example is obviously one that is so present and relevant for everyone because yeah. Amazon dominates huge swaths of the tech space. Um, we think about things like, you know, what were the, let's, let's talk about echo for a second. You know, they're, they're, they're smart, their entire smart home platform, you know, the A L E X a word that I'm not going to do to the handful of listeners <laughs> right. who, uh, I'm not going to make their whole homes light up. Um, we'll just say echo that, that as one very micro example in the scale of Amazon PS, by the way, is a really interesting look at how this exactly works because this is a story where Amazon really was first in a meaningful way. They didn't, yep. they didn't start by spending someone else into the ground. They literally, I remember when the first echo speakers were announced, they were invite only. I scored one of those. I was the little thing. hockey puck ones, right? Yeah. It was the tall, it was the tall soda, like, oh, like right. two soda okay. cans stacked on yep. top of each other. That one. Yep. Yeah, 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 the yeah. original one. Yep. And I knew I wanted one. And I had no idea why. And we're not <laughs> going to over interrogate that question because a substantial portion of my credit card statement can be attributed to, I know I want one and I don't know I, why. But I don't know so, why. <laughs> but I don't know why. Yeah. But I remember getting the device and it was more, they knew what they were doing. I, I mostly ordered one because I scored a digital opportunity. It's like, ooh, you get to get in line to buy one of these. Like I was yeah. excited to have the opportunity to hand them money for a product really that no one understood. golden ticket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. They wanted me. So, anywho, 
fast forward, I don't remember if it was days, weeks, months. This was genuinely a lot of years ago at this point. It's shocking actually to think how long these platforms have been with us already. Um, and I get it. And I'm like, I don't actually know what to do with this thing. And I started right. it was so going around with it. So new. And you know, the weather, t- the, the weather really yeah. it was set timers and ask it the weather. And I actually don't remember if timers was a launch feature, but me and that device talked about the weather a lot. <laughs> Improves your small um, talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what it was also a gateway into was my modern smart home. Like really, and I'm, you know, it's well-documented. I'm firmly on, you know, the home kit side of the side of the battle these days. Um, I actually do think that that is one space where I think there's, I wouldn't call it healthy competition, but there is at least competition going yeah. on, mm-hmm. but, um, and it is driving it forward with things like matter and the like, but not what this episode's about, but so that, 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 that echo device, that original echo really drove me into like my first smart plug and smart yep. light bulb and like the very, very micro examples, you know, that was the my, same path I've followed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And you know, my wife loves to make fun of me because, you know, I just insist on controlling the lights with, with, you know, even our, our modern, you know, S I R I, um, smart home system. And she's like, you just like feeling like a Jedi. I'm like, you are correct. Yeah. <laughs> like I, absolutely- I mean, we, <laughs> we've made it, we've made it a whole comedy show at our house. Cause you can program them. We, we still have, you know, echo devices or whatever. Echo. So we, yep. so we set it up with custom commands. So we just walk into the room right. and say her name and say, do the thing. And then all the lights turn on. Cause <laughs> yep. we just, we don't want to actually say, turn on the lights. We just say, do the thing. Cause it's funnier that way. So yeah, that's absolutely. Awesome. So, I mean, it was those earliest devices. I was happy to give them my money, happy to get this device. I wasn't sure what to do with. And then it turned into, it was a, it was a genuine success story in the space because it led to me buying several of the next several iterations of it. They were carpet bombed over my all over my house at one point which made it super fun to switch platforms twice but you know it it really was an entire space of technology that as someone who's like lived and breathed in this overarching you know sector my entire life that was brand new and it was a whole new path to go down that amazon really forged the smart home was not a new concept companies like lutron and the lights likes like that I've been doing it for years, very expensively. I mean, Eric, going back to, you know, you used to work on, you know, that stuff yep. in high-end homes 20 years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, but, but, Amazon, me, <laughs> but Amazon brought it to people in a way that had never been done before in a, yeah. in a meaningful scale. Sure. Well, when but you think about we, the fact that it's a plug in your wall that you plug something into and all you do is say a voice command because it joins in to the network rather mm-hmm. than completely having to wire your house for it. And every little panel on your wall has a wire that runs back to a central panel that you have to program with a computer to make work. And there was no voice, there was no voice commands either. So yeah, it's, it's like a whole different ball game. It is. And it was a whole different ball game that was suddenly affordable in a meaningful way also, Mm -hmm. and was growing and going to scale. And all these other competitors were rushing into the market. And what was interesting, what remains interesting is you might have, you know, one or two of these platforms, but there are dozens of names in those spaces making Mm -hmm. these different devices. Yeah. But then fast forward to now and what have they all more or less done with one notable exception? They've 
driven the price down of their smart speakers to wipe out you know, Microsoft walked away from the space. You might, Cody, do you remember? Because we had one for a very, we had one for a very short amount of time. They had the Cortana speakers that literally looked like a fat Echo, but it was a freaking yes. Cortana speaker. Yes, and it wasn't even first party. I forget. I mean, they were pushing the Cortana very hard. Yeah. Oh, oh the digital oh, yeah. assistant was definitely like a moment there that everyone it, it wanted to be a part of. Yeah. Emphasis on the what because what's funny is they're, they're still with us, but mm. that moment I think has passed at the same time. It's like what well, we have, what we got out of it, and that's all we're going to get. Yeah, yeah, later. but but you're right about those spaces. I was just looking up because I remember seeing it. You know, I remember again working in that same kind of low voltage space, putting security systems up. And yeah. it's the same thing now. That same space, that home automation space with the security systems, is ridiculously cheap. You can get a you can get a 1080p wireless camera indoor outdoor security camera that does night vision for 23.99 right that's great it's insane <laughs> yeah you're talking th those cameras when i was installing them were hundreds of dollars each each you know yeah. like and i'm talking close to getting a comma hundreds of dollars each yeah and now yeah. 20 24 bucks and you can get a camera and you could you could spend 100 bucks and put them on every corner of your house and yeah. they're all wireless you don't have to wire everything in and you know, it's, it's insane to me how, and because of that competition that we're talking about, I was just going to say, and that, I mean, and there's that's so many players of, in that space, in that space, the, the technology becomes commoditized. The cost to make them falls through the floor. And you know, that, that's a very, that pattern predates technology that that's everything, yeah. you know, a, mm -hmm. a new tool, a new piece of a new building material, a new widget starts yep. off as very, very expensive because no one knows how to make them. They get out into the market, more people start competing, and that price gets driven down over time. That that's that is a you know pattern as old as the market itself. So you know, yep. and that's a good thing. That's the way it's supposed to work because that driving down of the price is what puts it in the hands of the masses. You know, people begin mm -hmm. to be able to yeah. use these things, and they stop being the plaything of the of you know the fortunate few. So that that's a good thing. You know? Yeah. But what's not a good thing is when the few companies leverage their position in the market to destroy the competition in ways that, if you're not paying attention, look good for the consumer. Because at first blush, well, yeah, everyone wants to be able to go buy an Echo for $30 when they used to be $200. Well, that's, that's just a great thing, right? More people can yeah. buy them, so this is mm -hmm. working, right? Except when you peel back the layers and discover that the, the massive companies selling those devices are selling them likely at a loss because they know that if they can just outspend, if their runway, if their burn rate allows them to outspend their competition until they're the only ones left, what do we see? Well, suddenly newer versions stop going out as uh, as commonly or prices start to come up or both mm -hmm. and you know we stop seeing the rampant evolutions on those platforms and they really just they stagnate um mm -hmm. you know all all the all these signs you know we can we can jump a little bit to the left real quick and look at the vr space mm -hmm. meta yeah. simply spent their competition forget into the ground through the dirt and yeah. then the minute they establish dominance raise the prices of their entire product line a hundred exponentially yeah well i mean yeah they, two okay, so year the, the low old end, device yeah the yeah, low end yeah. product line that was already two years old they raised the price but then they also released the new one that was what fifteen sixteen hundred dollars for the pro yeah, it's one like or something 1, like that. bucks yeah mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Just, that it turns out no one wanted so now no it's 9.99 
Right. Well, it's like, so, oh, do you want the three hundred dollar device or do you want the fifteen hundred dollar device? That's like such a big gap. It's like uh-huh. there's got to be some more in between. Well, you know, everyone, everyone in that space, I should say, no one in that space could figure out how Meta, almost at Facebook, was possibly putting the Quest Two out in the market for three hundred dollars and getting away with it. It turns out the answer was they weren't. Mark was mm-hmm. just setting dock bills on fire. They were able to, yeah, <laughs> at a rate that they could afford. And then once they're like, "Well, there's no one left here to worry about," hey, go change that, you know, that two to a three and that three to a four. And the entire product line went up. That's not supposed to happen. I, I'm sorry. It just mm-hmm. it is it is bordering on unprecedented in technology for a for a, a existing incumbent device that is not even mid but late cycle to go up in price that way. Don't tell me inflation. Don't tell me rising costs. Don't tell me that unprecedented because any other company would have said, all right, cool. We're going to ride this out. The next one that comes out Mm -hmm, is going to have a few new features, but also be more expensive. And we're going to repair our margins on the other end. I do. I, I don't, I'm sure there are examples, but I cannot with all the stuff that's come through here over the years, I cannot think of another example or something that late in its lineup from from a major company there's there's smaller niche companies that their prices are much more in flux with what's that um code that retro handed the play date or whatever it is i know oh yeah yeah that those are going from 179 to yeah those are going Mm -hmm. from 179 to 199 but that's also a tiny little company that Mm -hmm. genuinely i believe their gears probably went up that by that much and they need to make money to be in business oh yeah like that's i'm very very as a small business person i'm very very mindful of those needs to adjust prices as as the environment changes but this is meta we're talking about they made a 10 billion dollar bet on this for god's sake um you cannot tell me that they couldn't have ridden out the Quest 2 all the way to the Quest 3. Ha- well, let's back it into what we're here to talk about today. Had there been more present competition in the space, yep. mm-hmm. no one will ever convince me they would have raised those prices the way they did on the There's back no quarter of that product life cycle. No way. Yeah, yeah I can't. Because HTC's I mean, there and a few others, but they aren't. Yeah, like you said, they're just not present yeah. in the minds even of consumers you know they're not getting not in not that. in mind share they're, they're yeah. Yeah. market share not even in mind share people are not thinking about those other devices they're yeah, just not. for a, for a while there it was like um htc and and whoever like valve. whatever they called valve, valve yeah. yeah like valve index. they were doing so and, and they still have their devices but mm-hmm. you you don't even you don't even think about them in the same sentence anymore mm-hmm. because it, yeah. it, you kind of look at them and you go well you know, you got to have a really, really high-end computer to use those. This one I can use without. So the general consumer is going to go to the one that they don't need to plug into anything and they don't need that extra hardware for. And it just kind of became set that way in everybody's minds. And then the other ones just kind of became more niche all of a sudden, which was, it was weird to watch that happen. Yeah. Like John said, they sold it for, you know, 300 bucks or whatever it was. So, you know, then it was way more accessible. So everyone was Mm -hmm. buying that one, right? Instead of the $1,000 index. And then... uh, Because when you just want to dip your toe in and try Mm -hmm. something... Yeah, exactly. How do you want to do that? Your cost of entry is 300 bucks. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And you guys want no other component. Yeah, no Mm -hmm. other components. No computer necessary. No, like you buy this thing, you put it to your head and you let Mark shove ads in your eyeballs like that, yep. that that's mm-hmm. it, it the worked. whole transaction was that straightforward because mm-hmm. i think on two christmases ago i think the oculus app was like the number one app in the app store on christmas and yep. like oh, the yeah. following a few days yeah, because absolutely. so many people got them for the holidays 
And that was the move because at that mm-hmm. price point, it normally I'd say, you know, impulse buy territory is firmly like $99 and below. Like you can just basically catch me in almost any Best Buy and have it be, you know, and it's happened. You got to adjust in that net, for inflation now, John. <laughs> that's true. But in the hard, but in the, you know, the genuine hardware space, when you start saying $299, I, that's another one. Like for some, $299 is one of those price points where $299 looks like, why wouldn't I get this for my brother? Mm-hmm. Because he's going to love it versus... I don't know if I love him that much. Three ninety nine is a lot of money. Like you know what right. I mean? There's just something. Yeah. That, that was a very, very meaningful move of the price ticker. That again, I don't believe what had happened if there was would have happened if there was a more direct competitor. Um, and it's not just on the hardware space too, because they are also glomming up every single software company that makes yeah. product for their own platform. Because right, mm-hmm. they want to get it in front of as many eyeballs as possible, and the only way to do that is to go to the one that everybody can afford. You know, you're not going to make it that can run on the high end computers only because how many people have those HTC, you know, devices Mm -hmm. on their heads. So Mm -hmm. well, this comes full circle, even like the the whole Ticketmaster thing that's still kind of going on that no one's talking about quite as much. Yeah. I find as interesting, but it's still going on. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, because the fact of the matter is, and I have not done my research here, but my understanding from people that I've heard talk about it is we've allowed very quietly for the same company to own yep. the distribution and the space. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a problem. Like yes. there's, there's, there's reasons why we normally like why there's whole hmm, government organizations that mm. exist to make sure that maybe the distribution and the thing aren't a great idea. And somewhere in Cupertino, Tim Cook is actually strangling a voodoo doll of because yes, <laughs> yeah. I get it. I just Very described insane. the app store. I understand. And there are problems there that we do need to continue to unpack. But th- th- this is just an example. Th- and for me, one of the key differences is, let's face it, no one goes to the app store to download Apple's apps. Right. Just don't. A, they're already on the phone. They're already on the phone. But, yeah. but on top of, but even beyond that though, Let's just say that, you know, pages and numbers and whatnot was actually on the app store in a meaningful way. I, I would still be paying for 365. Like, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference. There, there is a meaningful difference there versus on, in the meta, in the meta quest sense, you buy it, you put it on your face, you go into the store and a shocking number of the titles that you are most likely there to buy are funneling directly back to meta in one way or the other. From an ownership perspective, not no. again, I get it. Apple, the app store tax and the 30%, that's not what we're here to talk about. That is a big component of this, by the way. But in this example, it's Meta is literally buying up the companies that make these things. And now they control the entire flow of cash from the device to the distribution to the individual app purchases is all funneling back towards Meta. That's not a good place to be. Yeah. And Ticketmaster did kind of the same thing as well. The way that, I mean, first of all, like you said, they were allowed to own the distribution system and the space and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So that's one thing, but they also, I don't know how they got away with this and they continue to get away with it. So they put the tickets up there for sale on Ticketmaster and then Mm -hmm. you can go out there and buy 50 tickets if you want to, and then turn right around on the Ticketmaster site and sign back in and sell the tickets that you purchased and resell Mm -hmm. them and raise the price that you're selling it for. So that's where you get all those people who go in with, you know, bots and everything, purchase all the tickets available for a concert and then resell them at a thousand percent markup. Guess who gets 
a cut of that sale every time it happens on their website. (laughs) So Ticketmaster is getting the first sale of tickets and the subsequent sale of tickets from people that are raising the prices. And And I think a bigger cut of that, you know, because they raise the prices. Yeah. And I think they limit you from like how low you can sell the ticket after you buy it. Right. Yeah. So like you have to sell it for like, yeah. It's, it's, they, like they, were so sick and tired of people purchasing their tickets for 35 bucks a pop and then going out and selling them on the day of the concert on the street, scalping tickets outside the, I was just going to say, isn't this just a digital version of what they really scalping. don't like you to do in the parking yeah. lot? Like, yeah, because, it still goes and, and, and the reason and the that they don't, reason like they don't care is they're getting money. <laughs> they don't get a cut. That's right. Yep. Where's my cut? I, you know, we, yeah, we sold the ticket once, but wouldn't be nice if we could sell the ticket twice. And that's where the problem is. So, you know, and, and you, there's literally no one doing anything about it. It's been going on for ages and no one's doing anything about it. Yeah, And it only and got talked about recently because of Taylor Swift, right? She's like the one of the biggest artists on the planet. So that's the only reason really why it got noticed. Yep. But back to the, the most direct point of today's conversation, because this, this is a space I'm glad you two do because I know less than nothing about it. My understanding is there is basically no direct competition in that space. Even no. the semblances of competition are other properties owned oh, by the same company. By them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only, the only way that it, you know, is different is if it's a local venue and they only sell tickets locally. That's right. the only Locked way up, that it's yeah. not through Ticketmaster is if some, you, you got to go to the box office and purchase your tickets at the box office to get in the door. And there are, there are places like that, but they're certainly not booking Taylor Swift. Right. right. Or the current artists that you, you probably want to yeah. see. Or... Yeah. They, they just don't, they don't have the pull to be able to do that. So, you know, cause if, if they did, if there was some independent stadium that was going to book whoever the artist that's selling out shows is right now, and they hooked up some website for it, that would crash the website every time. Like mm-hmm. the infrastructure needed for that would be ridiculous. And the people that have the right. infrastructure for that are people like Ticketmaster and they can mm-hmm. handle the traffic to sell out a stadium and not many other people could. So yeah. How do you compete with that? You have to almost be another company that can just start a, that kind of a, a thing. You right. Know? And then, and then the thing is a company that's big enough to start something like that is going to follow the same practices that Ticketmaster is because they're going to want the money. <laughs> so right. Yeah. To right compete, right. They're going to have to try to make it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and, there, and there's, there's examples of this. There's a whole type of non-competition that I think gets by a lot of folks because of a very, very clever move that a lot of these companies do, which is it's important to understand who owns the company that owns the product you're using yep. because mm-hmm. you can have countless brand names all owned by the same brand yeah. and one really of the small black text at the bottom a blank <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. company yep. yeah exactly well that, that that's just it the one that blows my mind every time i think about it and again it cuz it doesn't influence my life in any meaningful way thank god for my wife um <laughs> no i was talking to someone about this the other day cuz they had no idea every single dating app that you've ever heard of for the most part is owned by the same company yeah, I have seen all yeah. different, but they're all owned by match group at the end mm-hmm. of the, like, right. it's, it's just so funny where that, that on the outside looking in that appears to be such a competitive space because they're all fighting for the eyeballs and the swipes of all these people. And at the end of the, they're all, all the dot, all the transient dollars flowing through those quote unquote competitive apps are going to the same bank account on the yeah, back end. That, yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> that actually reminds are, me. I, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, 
the the that method reminds me i don't know if you guys heard recently of ghost kitchens like on oh. like a doordash or uber eats um you'll see maybe uh, an italian restaurant and you might say i've never driven past that place before it's actually huh. like the chili's kitchen making uh, an italian restaurant right no way yes yeah, so on the app still have you might have like six different restaurants but they're all coming from technically like a kitchen. chili's right yeah um it, it just kind of reminded me in that same space, you know, where yeah, they're trying to name, but it's dollars. Oh, hey, a new restaurant to try, guys. Day. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's funny. So it's Sneaky, technically like but... that same back end, you know, of them trying to make that money at the end of the day. So it just reminded but, me of that same kind of thing. No, you're right. Because there's a lot of importance in knowing who you're buying something from because it's never been easier to your point Cody, in an, in an entirely digital sense when mm. someone's not and here i am old manning again when people <laughs> are not walking through the door of your store and you know handing you currency yep. in exchange for a good or a service it's never been easier to digitally pop up that storefront and have all the trappings and appearances of xyz mm, and yeah very very simple and coming full circle to some of our well many of our security conversations now in the past and in the future that's also enabled a whole new type of crime that we've never had to deal with before where impersonating mm -hmm. or just you know running a shadow corporate a shell corporation or shadow corporate that, that that exists for a day does all this damage and then disappears into the night and unless you have the deep legal pockets to do so you have no recourse because they're gone Mm -hmm. It's yeah. never been easier to do that. So, and I, I do think bring it full, full circle back to what we're talking about today. An anti-competitive landscape also breeds that because when mm -hmm. you do whittle down the players in the space so, so much, what you really end up with is the handful of giant players that are giant air quotes here, too big to fail. And they can, you know, basically throw their massive, you know, budgets around however they want. And then what remains of that space is full of fly by night coming in and making vaporware or something going to try and, you know, get whatever dollars they can because they know they're going to run, they're going to burn through their runway in X number of days, weeks, or months. Mm -hmm. And whatever cash grab they can make at that amount of time, that's the whole reason for their existence. Cause they know they're either going to disappear and walk away with what money they could grab or they exist for the sake of getting bought up by one of those bigger right. companies. Cause that's mm -hmm. the other play is, you know, what's the point in trying to come up with a viable business model when your entire goal is we're going to set this thing up with enough money to run it for a year and hope that we get enough attention to get bought up for some stupid amount of money inside that year. Eh, or we just close up and try again with someone else's money. That's yep, right. Like, that's, that's not, competition like that's that nope. you're not you're not attractive to purchase because you're an actual threat to someone you're just advertising your wares basically on the back mm -hmm. of someone else's blank check and mm -hmm. i just have a lot of problem with that i i would if i was going to start and want to run a business which i did um <laughs> I, I would want it to be successful. I can't say sitting yeah. here what the future of that would be, but my goal from day zero would be, I want this thing to be a safe and viable and successful entity that serves people well, right, and good. That It's that simple to me. And yeah. we were breeding a culture of build it, to roll it up into something else, to constantly roll it up into something bigger. But I'll tell you what, there's a child's game that follows that same pattern. It's called musical chairs. Mm -hmm. And when yeah. the music stops, you yeah, know who you on don't want to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And 
that's what a lot of this landscape feels like. I mean, we are literally recording this in the middle of some very questionable economic activity across the globe. And I'm yep. here to tell you some of the trickle down effect of that is going to be the music is going to stop for a lot of mm -hmm. people in a very, very short time period. You know, Silicon yeah. Valley Bank couldn't be a more clear example of how yeah. that can Where do you happen. think those VC dollars are coming from? Yeah. yeah. Right. Or more importantly, where do you think a lot of those VC dollars were sitting? Yeah. Because those were dollars that came out of these funds that then were in the bank accounts a lot of a lot yeah. of these organizations that suddenly didn't have their money the next day. And we're not taking a deep dive into the politics of <laughs> where how that money was returned or if it was going to be returned or mm -hmm. so on and so forth. The, let's take all that and just let's just go to the facts as they were one week ago today when that bank just stopped existing. What was it? And you know, Roku, kudos to them, had over a billion dollars yeah. elsewhere. But the fact of the matter is they had half a billion dollars in liquid cash sitting in that bank that by the by five o'clock that day, they didn't know if they were going to ever see again. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw their name on that. I was like, wow, okay, Roku. That's a lot of money. <laughs> and that's yeah. a huge, a, comparatively to many others, huge company. There were a lot of other much smaller ones that genuinely did not know. You know, the account that wasn't there anymore, wasn't necessarily R&D. For a lot of them, it was payroll. Payroll, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had a bunch of people who didn't know if they were going to get paid, if they were going to be able to feed their family. That's, yeah, that's mm -hmm. scary. So, you know, and obviously that, that's, yeah. that, that's a huge, that's a hugely tech-specific example. Um, that same thing could happen to any other, any number of other businesses and any number of other verticals have happened to other banks, other places. That was just a, a super, super tech-centric one. And it was the, it was the, end result of a domino effect that started with other things we talked about in the show over recent months, the mass layoffs that have come from the squeeze on these big companies that led to a run on cash that led to them going to securities that would have been sufficiently devalued that they couldn't cover. Yeah. It was a math equation at the end of the day, this number no longer equaled that number. We are out of business. Mm -hmm. And yep. that's the road that coming, bring it fully back to competition. That's the road that this sets everyone down on. Because if those, if you reach a point sufficiently quickly, that those two numbers no longer match up or worse yet are upside down the wrong direction, you are out of business. And that's that exact math equation. That was how these companies are leveraging it against their competition and saying, okay, we know we can keep our number looking like this longer than they can. So mm -hmm. by a mere matter of physics, they will be they will be either out of business or for sale for pennies on the dollar before we have to worry about it. But that, and then hopefully when they're like gone, they will game. get all that yeah all that back. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, because they want their product, they may want their IP, they might want their talent. Mm -hmm. I mean, who, who knows? There's any yeah. number of reasons to want to acquire someone. But once upon a time, if you wanted to acquire someone, you would walk in and say, "I really like what you're doing here." here's a certain sum of money. Would you like to come play with us? And then if they wanted to, they said yes. And every so often, someone sufficiently crazy as myself would look at him and say, no, I'm good. And then right. you just keep wanting to grow it yourself and keep making a great business and keep doing things for the people you serve because maybe you want to do it a different way. Do something differently than the people that are coming at you with all these dollars. Cool. But now, you know, you at least had that choice. But the, the games are being played right now are, well, we're just going to outlast you. We're going to outlive you. Or far more nefariously, we're going to build an environment in which you literally cannot survive without us. And mm -hmm. that just feels icky. Yeah. I don't know another way to say it. 
Um, and it's not good, you know, taking our participants in this industry hats off for a second and putting our, we're just, we are also users and consumers and participants in the market. It's not good for us either. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just not. You know, yeah, and I mean, can. that's a, good. So I was just going to say, that's the thing that I'm always thinking of is, you know, like with the, the examples that we've given with the phones and with Amazon and, and all of that kind of stuff, you know, it, it pulls, it puts a lot of smaller places out of business or it causes them to struggle. And, you know, is there ever, is there ever a world where it, we get back to going shopping locally, let's say, you know, mm-hmm. as, as the primary means of acquiring the goods and services that we need. I mean, I, I know we all have some places that we go to that are kind of like our favorite place that we like to go and pick up X, Y, or Z. And, you know, technology is never going to be that space. You know, right. again, I, I feel like it's tough for that to ever be the space again, you know, to have local stores that can have enough technology in it to make it worthwhile. But, you know, we had the example of bookstores and, and, you know, and there's other places that you can go to. Like I just, you know, in the little town that I live in, a lot of that stuff's dried up. You've got like a little main street yep. strip where you can go get some mm-hmm. specialty stops, but it's mostly like kitschy souvenir type stuff that you're not going to go for anyway. You know, what, what happens to, you know, we, we run out of choices. The competition's gone for the little guy mm-hmm. because they're, they're competing on a little local scale with each other, but really they're all just fighting over scraps at this point because everybody's going into their store and going, Oh man, look at the price tag on that. And they Google it and look it up on Amazon real quick. And Oh man, I can get that for half price on Amazon. I'm just gonna order this on Amazon. Yeah. And then they walk out of the store. You know, how does well, it, it no, feels yeah, like right, downtowns are all going to be empty eventually because no, just like there's no way to compete with this stuff. Well, so far Amazon has not figured out a better way to deliver me an old fashioned so at least <laughs> sure. downtown haunts that yeah. I know of. And like I said, yeah. there's always going to be a I'm place. very yeah. much kidding. <laughs> um, maybe they will, but it'll probably I'm come sure as a stupid pod. But um, yeah, anyway. it's going to be a new a new Echo that has a drink dispenser. Yeah. No, but no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, the erosion of those things will, will continue to happen over time. And, and there's no like quick or immediate fix for that. I mean, we realize, you yeah. know, bringing back to technology, technology is hugely cyclical. Um I mean, I love to think about how, you know, the, the cloud that we so readily embrace today is, uh, you know, a very modernized version, heavily modernized, again, don't email me, of the mainframes out of the 80s. You know, we went mm-hmm. from all the computing taking place in these highly centralized locations being distributed to clients to bringing all the horsepower down to the individual workstation to now we're lifting all that horsepower back up into someone mm-hmm. else's data center again. So it's just the, yep. these things expand and contract over time and they iterate and evolve. Um, but we, I do think we lose a little bit of it every time those cycles come through, like we leave a little bit of it behind. And yeah. what you're describing, I think is one of the biggest things we leave behind because I, one of my predictions for this series of cost of episodes is the, the, the connective tissue between all of them is the cost of convenience Yeah. because what you're describing is convenient. I yeah. know full well, I, I live 11 minutes from what used to be emphasis on used to be my local Barnes and Noble. And I'm sitting, I'm the one sitting here pontificating from on high for the last 40 minutes. And the fact of the matter is there are countless books in my house. I don't know the last time I walked through the door of forget my local bookshop, 
my, we're just saying my local big box, big brand bookshop. I couldn't yeah. even be bothered to walk through the door because, you know, the, the new House of the Dragons book that I wanted was just as easily gotten, or actually I should say far more easily gotten at a mm-hmm. better price to be dropped off on my doorstep in 48 mm-hmm. hours what I described there with the yeah, what I described there with going into the mom and pop store and looking at the price and then looking it up on Amazon to see if you can get it cheaper. That's right. my story, and I know that's why Barnes and Noble is going out of business because that's mm-hmm. what I use Barnes and Noble for. I like to pick right. up and hold the book, but I do not like to pay full price for the book when I don't have to. So I will go to the Barnes and Noble. I will flip through it. I'll read the dust jacket. <laughs> I'll find the books I want. I'll take a picture of it. I'll go home and I'll buy them all on Amazon for half price. Yeah, I can and, get twice as many books for the same price. So, you know, we, so we are the guilt, you know, we're the guilty ones, you know, the, yes, what we're absolutely. describing that, that, that the cost of that convenience and the cost of, you know, saving some dollars plays directly into their, we know at scale, we can afford to, you know, Amazon's far matured enough that they, they're not doing it to, you know, burn cash. They're doing it because they realize that that store down the street might need to make $5 off that book. We can make 50 cents right, but and still I'm, print billions of dollars because of scale. I mean, I guess that's my question. So Barnes and Noble at one point, anyway, we know they're one foot in the grave as we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. but at one point they were one of the largest booksellers in the country, you know, and, yep. and they still are, you know, just because all the competition has yeah. gone. But, you know, I have a feeling that they could price match Amazon in their stores, put Barnes and Noble stickers over everything in their store with the prices that are competitive with Amazon and they would sell more books. If I went to Barnes and Noble and picked that book up in my hand and looked at it and then I scanned the barcode on Amazon and it's the same price, I'm going to buy the book in my hand. But you can't. Oh, I'm already here. I never see that. I never see. They never have the prices anywhere close to the same. So why would anyone purchase books there? You know, other than like a, a small, I, I want to start reading this now, not in right. 24 hours when Prime will deliver it. You know, mm-hmm. like it, I guess if you're very impatient, then Barnes and Noble wins. Well, but I have a feeling they're losing that battle a lot more lately. So, yeah, like it's that convenience factor, right? Like, you know, yeah, you can buy it online and it's going to be cheaper. Boom, right, right away. So it's like it's. How many choices are we supposed to make, right? Like, shouldn't you just want to be like, okay, I want to go get a book. I'll go to the store. Why do you have to go? I have to price check three places now before I even buy, you know, like, I just feel like uh, they kind of give you like the runaround, right? Like, yeah, you go to the Barnes & Noble because you want to support the store, but they're going, haha, we got them in here now. Let's, we're not going to be competitive on the pricing. Yeah. I just find it. Yeah. They're almost like a choice, right? And and the thing is, it's not like it's, you can't. In nine times out of 10, it's not like it's three or $4 in price difference. Because no. if it was a couple of bucks, I'd still just buy the book at Barnes & Noble. It's most mm-hmm. of the time, it's half price. Yeah. Right. You know, like if I go and look at a book that's 20 something dollars at Barnes & Noble and I go on Amazon and it's 13 bucks, I'm going to buy the $13. I'm going to save 10 bucks on that book. Why wouldn't mm-hmm. I do that? You know, and, it, and then you don't every think about it. Every hardcover I've ever at is like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you're... So and it's the question that we get faced with. Really, if you slow down throughout any one day and think about how many times we get left with that exact equation, that exact question yeah. of I could do this now for this much. I could mm-hmm. wait this long and do it for that much. Um, you know, what's the convenience factor? How quickly do I need it? What's the, you know, what's the, the monetary cost of all those things? And we make those decisions in an instant. And you yeah. really got to 
it, it's it's crazy to think about how much very very intentional business strategy went into all the factors that lead to you, the consumer, making that decision, and then multiply mm-hmm. that by three hundred million people, and right. there you have the intentional strategy of the market and how they're you know whittling away at over time. But again, for that whittling away to take place, it requires us free thinking human beings to make those conscious decisions. Mm-hmm. So again, yeah. it's coming full, full, full circle to it's very, very easy for us to point and shake finger at giant corporation that is doing these very, very icky things sometimes that you know make us yeah. feel not awesome about our own decisions, except that their ability to do that is built on our decisions to, date, to open our wallets. Yeah. No one has ever forced me to buy something on amazon.com. Yep. Maybe nope. that'll change yeah. one no one's day. Twisting your arm. To, yeah. to date, no one has ever forced me to do that. Um, the fact of the matter is I have willfully and willingly participated time and time again, be it for monetary cost reasons, for convenience reasons, for that was just the place I could get it reasons, um, you know, mm-hmm. any, any number of things. But, you know, even if that was the only place I could get it, Going back to, unless it was something that I needed to sustain my life, which to the best of my knowledge, I have not ever once purchased a life-saving or sustaining object from Amazon that I couldn't <laughs> get anywhere else. Um, the self-justification examples run out very, very quickly. Yeah. These are decisions that we make. If I yeah, actually they... cared enough about that yeah. book, I could also just go pay full price for it if I actually yeah. cared enough. You know, the, even in the $10 example, I could, I, I don't like wasting money or what right. I feel like is wasting money, but I could mm-hmm. make that decision. Yeah. So, and, well, that's, yeah. and that's the thing. I mean, it, at that point in my brain, anyway, the way I make that decision is I look at it and I see two giant booksellers. Right. And you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and do I go to a local bookstore? And, and buy books from a local bookstore, mm-hmm. you know, that's owned by a person that I can go and greet. And I know that person is getting the money. I do that. I definitely do yes. that. But there's a yeah. lot of books that they can't get. And the ones that they say, yeah, I can order that for you, but it takes them two to four weeks to get the book. I'm going to yep. probably order it. I don't, I, I'm a patient man, but I'm not that patient sometimes. So, and, you know, and there you go. So it's, there's, you know, because yeah. the time factor is one of those factors. You were saying something. Yeah. Good? I was talking to somebody recently who, um, you know, they, they felt like, okay, I don't want to use Amazon anymore. Right. I'm going to stick, I want to stick to the guns and just say, okay, I'm only going to get stuff from other places. Um, and, and like you're saying the reasons like, yeah, you could go and do that, but they make it so convenient, right. To not Mm -hmm. that, like, Mm -hmm. it's just like, it almost like she complained a little bit that it was like inconvenient seeing her like in just in her normal life. Like, man, I needed this and I couldn't get it right then. And I had to like, wait, multiple days or whatever it was right but it's just yeah, yeah there is, they do get you with that convenience factor like, oh, yeah i mean that's the thing the way what you what you just described is just the way the world was mm-hmm. exactly yeah before mm-hmm. amazon and nobody mm-hmm. cared then because that was all we knew but now that we know it can you know free shipping and some i mean i get sometimes i get the stuff the same day i order it yeah yeah because you know they've got a warehouse 20 miles down the road from me. So sometimes if it's there in that warehouse, somebody will literally throw it in the back of a truck. Sometimes it arrives in some dude's car. Like they just drive up in a Chevy (laughs) Impala and drop off my Amazon package. It's not even like an Amazon truck. You know, they have Mm -hmm. individual drivers doing it and it'll just arrive the same day I order it. I, 
it's kind of hard to not do that sometimes, right? You know, yeah, absolutely. When it's that easy. Well, and to both your points, too, there, there's there's a lot of calibration of our own expectations mm-hmm. because these are things that we want. I keep going full circle to this. Things that we want, very rarely things that we need. But the yep. ability to get things that we want so readily makes them feel like things that we need. I, I think about you know my yeah, my, my brother. He he adores shopping. It's just one of his favorite things in the world. Yeah. And um, so he specifically loves TJ Maxx. He's the only person I know who, when we travel out of town, especially by car, drive separately for many reasons. One of them being, I want to get home and he will stop at every TJ Maxx between where we were and our hometown. And I'm like, Justin, they, they all have different stuff. All TJ Maxx. He's like, but no, you never know what you're going to find in any one of them. So he's not out there looking for any one thing, but he loves to come across those things. He has no idea what he's looking for. He just knows he's looking for a thing. <laughs> and then that thing is part of the part of the adventure that he's on. Yeah. And I've, I've thought about that some lately because like that, that mentality of going out and just seeing what's out there. I don't know that there's really a direct equi- Amazon would love for there to be an equivalent to that on their app where you just sit there and mm-hmm. swipe through Amazon and come across something and buy it. But I just don't know if there's ever been anything that successfully replicated that experience other than I've sure been on. And this, I shouldn't keep it because it, it could be Amazon. It could be Walmart. It could be any number of the you know app, shopping apps that are out there. Any number I've been there to buy something else and then stumbled on another, you know, you sure. may also like this. Like that's a yep. very intentional move. But I've rarely line. like <laughs> outside of like Black Friday, shout out to a past episode. Have I mm. have I ever just opened up the episode? I'm just going to browse. Like that's just yeah. not like a thing well, you think you normally show up with intent. Yeah. I'm just wondering if the thing that cracks it is the two big companies coming together, right? So <laughs> If, oh boy, more more consolidation. This, yeah. this is cons- consolidation. No, seriously. So if if Meta develops their virtual reality into a tangible system that can actually m- be meaningful, not like cartoons a with meta- no legs, a but like a metaverse yeah. storefront for Amazon where I can go in and browse books and feel like I'm having that experience, like truly feeling like I'm having an experience, not some hokey digital thing like it would be now, but if they yeah. can develop to the, to the point where it feels indistinguishable from going to a store and browsing, they crack uh-huh. the code and no yeah. one will leave their house anymore. It'll be ready player one all over the place. Everyone will just be in that thing all the time. Oh yeah. I've been waiting. <laughs> yeah. Right. The irony of the story, the example I'm going to use is I was recently you know, shopping for a pair of sunglasses because I put myself on a 10 year timeout of buying a decent pair of sunglasses because I just kept losing them the day I would get them or breaking yeah. them or what have you. <laughs> I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to get crappy, whatever <laughs> irony, crappy Amazon sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And what do you know? I start spending $11 on a pair of sunglasses. Now I have them for like six or nine months at a time. So you know, you right. can't make it up. But the other day I'm like, you know what? I've, I've, I've gotten more mature about this. I'm not losing my stuff. I'm going to go looking for a what, quote unquote good pair of sunglasses. Well, first of all, the irony of what I discovered, didn't know this, every single pair of sunglasses or eyeglasses on the planet are made by the same company. And yeah, there's like three companies. Yeah. So there's basically one. Even those three companies are basically yeah. owned by the same by the same at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Shocking. But but more specifically, Eric, your example was 
I really had no clue on earth where in town to even try to go. Because sunglasses are one right. that you have to try. You have to try. Oh, it yeah. Every face is different. It may look great on the screen. That does not give me any indication what it's going to look like on my face. Yep. They had a button. Try these on using AR. Oh, that yeah, was yeah. the most successful example of a of the application of AR I've ever used. Yeah. Because genuinely for the fr- I've used a lot of augmented reality stuff for the mm-hmm. first time ever I actually believed or I mean again you you interrogate enough you could see, you see where it fell apart. Yeah. But it, it yeah. was those sunglasses were believably on my face. Right. Yeah. So again, to implement the thing that stops me from potentially even needing to try to go to a store because mm. now I was literally sitting in a restaurant where I got a wild hair about maybe I want to go buy a halfway decent pair of sunglasses to now I'm virtually trying them on while I'm waiting for my sushi to arrive. Like all of this took place in the space of about <laughs> three minutes, but took down another reason for me to ever have to walk through a storefront right. to try on a pair of glasses. Yeah, and the Which easier was exciting, they make right? that, You're like, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> the right, easier they make store. that, and the more accurate it gets over time, mm-hmm. we're just we're just not going to see eyeglass stores anymore because they yeah. can't compete. So, yeah, again, there goes the competition. Well, to 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 bookend this, I don't think we can have a meaningful conversation about competition without bookending with the mother of all examples of the cyclical nature of this entire thing, and that is. Gather round, children, for the story of AT and T. Yeah, old Marvel. Um, because it really is. This is not a new problem. I guess is where I want it. This has been a challenge of the market, and again, this is even at this point in history that was still te- this was still technology. It would barely look like quote unquote tech to us today. Right. But in mm-hmm. 1984, was this was the magic. bleeding edge of telecommunications <laughs> yeah. and technology in general, and that was. All of telecom in this country was effectively AT&T by 1984. And the government walked in and said, you know what? You're done. And broke it up into, I think it was eight different entities that shockingly... So we had the the breakup of what was it the baby bells I believe it was where they yep. were they they broke up Ma Bell into all the baby mm-hmm. bells, but then what do you know? As time goes on and money gets spent and companies yep. get bought and sold, uh, the eight companies that eight or nine companies that made up AT and T, uh, five of them were reorganized into a new AT and T. So in yep. one shot, yeah. more than half of what used to be AT and T became AT and T again with little bell south still hanging out there at the end yep. and then finally even bell south couldn't stand up to the monetary pressure of their former overlords and came back in under the fold so that by the time it was said and done full two-thirds of what used to be AT&T once again had reorganized into the AT&T that we know and love today oh and PS by the way most of the rest of it is Verizon Mm-hmm. So <laughs> cool because then you factor in, okay, at least there for a while we had AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, and T-Mobile. Sprint and T-Mobile basically got each other into a place where they could yeah. not come at openly compete. They wanted to merge. The government's like, no, no, no. Apparently four is the magic number for you know a competitive marketplace <laughs> yeah. for, tel- for cell phone providers in America. Don't think that's the right number, by the way. Uh, so the deal that was struck was AT and I'm sorry, T-Mobile and Sprint would be allowed to merge if Dish 
was enabled to roll out a quote-unquote fourth competitor through, I believe, Republic Wireless is, is, the, is the name of their 5G yeah. push that I think there's about 11 people that are currently using that surface yeah. because yeah. Dish can barely keep their website up and, and ransomware free long enough to actually serve any customers. So we're basically back to the, 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 the former Sprint and T-Mobile, I believe, now just reorganized under T-Mobile. Mm-hmm. AT&T and Verizon are the expression of what used to be just AT&T after we bothered breaking up nine ways to now it's just back to two players. And we effectively have 3.1. I refuse to say four. We have 3.1 players in the in meaningfully in the cell phone space in Mm -hmm. this country that's come full circle from in 1984. Maybe you guys shouldn't be all one company. And then here we are. Yep. Yeah. So it took us 40 years to get here. But I mean, eventually they'll break them all up again so they can reform. I mean, it's, I'm it's guessing the Vol- it's yeah. Voltron of telecommunications. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's more a case of, all right, so granddad was the lawyer that did that breakup. And then dad yeah. was the lawyer that did the mergers. <laughs> and now I'm a lawyer and I want to do the next version of breakup. So my kid can come full circle and do and the mergers. I really in. hope there is just like a, a, a mega family of lawyers. It's just been raking in the cash the merger, merger, merger. Merger. over the last 40 years i really I, that, that would be a great book but um no. well, on on that i guess money laden bombshell that's what, yeah. i think that's where we'll wrap this one up but for you know to finally you know for me anyway say i really do feel the cost of no competition is the cost of it it's a lot of the really cool stuff that we enjoy in this space. I mean, there's a lot of much yeah. deeper, more meaningful costs. I mean, the marketplace is what gives all of us jobs. It's what makes our economy work. It's what, and at this point, it's what fuels the global economy in some really, really meaningful ways. But to bring it back to what this show is really about, which is the tech that we really love and enjoy using every single day, there is a shocking amount of it. I'm looking around the room that I'm in right now. I could pick out more than 50% of the objects in this room that I don't think would exist maybe at all, at minimum in the form that they exist in today, without the competitive pressure from someone else's thing I didn't buy that pushed that company to make something that I decided that's what I want to spend my dollar votes on. Right. Or if it did exist, would it have been affordable? Would you have as many of those things in the room? Because they wouldn't have been as affordable without the competition. Mm -hmm. And I just won't unpack how many of them arrived in an Amazon box. Right. <laughs> in a day. Anything you all have to uh, tack on there at the end? No, I think we're uh, mm-hmm. I think we're good. Yeah. Shop, Shop at your local. corner bookstore, I guess. I mean, yeah. Local. Yeah. <laughs> Price check. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. All right. Well, on that, we will wrap it up and catch you next time. Later. Later. Later.